I am Patrick Eos, National President of Fraternal Order Police. This is the Blue View. Well, Senator Titillus, thank you for joining us today on the Blue View podcast. I uh, appreciate you taking some time of your busy schedule to, uh, to talk with our members and our listeners and viewers uh, about what's going on in Washington in support of law enforcement. Uh, before we get started, if you could just uh, share with our, with our listeners a little bit about yourself. Uh, uh, born and raised in nine different states. I landed in North Carolina in 1998, was born in Jacksonville, raised in New Orleans and Nashville, five different elementary schools, three different junior high schools, one high school. And uh, I found out last week, actually, I don't know if you know of the country music singer, rapper, Jelly Roll, but I found out last week that uh, he and I actually grew up in the same trailer park in Nashville, Tennessee, about 20 years apart. Yeah, I actually, it's it's interesting. I was uh, actually on that panel and uh, uh, sat next to, to Jelly Roll. What a what a what a really profound story of a person turning his life around and, and for the for for good. Uh, just a very 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 strong message there uh, about the, the the challenges facing uh, drug addiction. So I appreciate you, your comments during that during that time as well, Senator. If we could, I, I'd like to dive into quite a few bills that are that you know, and some of them you are are very much active in in uh, in, in in the Senate. Uh, fighting for law enforcement, uh, you know, uh, so I'd like to, to try and dig into those a little bit. Uh, the, the Public Safety Officers Support Act, if you could talk a little bit about what it is and, and uh, just uh, where, where it stands and, and what we can do to, to, to help move it forward. You know, I think uh, just more broadly, uh, I, I see a, a dangerous future if we don't find ways to stand up for law enforcement to increase penalties for someone who intends to do harm to them, which is why I think it should be a federal crime and a 10-year sentence. If it ends in death, it should be a life sentence. We need to send a very clear message to law enforcement that Congress has their back and the vast majority of the American people, when you cut through all the noise, are relieved when they dial 911 and they see a police officer on, on site they don't fear them. They revere them. And I think that we have to cut through it because for some, uh, for some people, it's politically expedient to demonize the police and make them all seem bad. Um, and I believe that we need to make sure that we're giving, that we're putting more money into training, more money into dealing with the inevitable behavioral health challenges that can, people can have with some of the traumatic situations they find themselves in. And make damn sure that if somebody does harm to a police officer, that we bring the full weight of the criminal justice system to bear on them and put them away. So that's really thematically what drives all of our policies here. But now let's talk about compensation, too. Look, we need to make sure that you've got uh, you've had uh, police leaving jurisdiction, even in even in North Carolina, Asheville was one of our city councils that started hammering to defund the police and sanctuary cities and police are the root of the problem. What happened? Police officers started leaving. Uh, and why not? Uh, why not go to a jurisdiction where you are revered, where where we hold ceremonies for your service? Um, uh but where even even if we didn't have that, you know, people leaving the profession, going into jobs where they can make a lot more. Most police officers aren't in it for the money. They'd, they'd be crazy to enter the profession if it's for the money because we know we'll never pay them enough. But we need to pay them enough. And we also, we also need to make sure that after they've served and it's time for them to retire, that they have a pension 
that is commensurate with their sacrifice. And I think we're falling short there, too, which is why I'm supporting uh, any sort of policies that make this an economically attractive job. But I know it's not the primary reasons people become police officers. They come because they're driven to serve. Uh, Senator, and I pre- we, we certainly appreciate uh, all of your support uh, for, for law enforcement. There's uh, a number of bills that you're a part of and that we're, we're very happy to support as well. And, and thank you for that support. You know, you, 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 you you, you let, did a segue into it, and it's one of, the, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about. So I'll jump ahead to that one right now, the Protect and Serve Act. You know, we, we, we look at law enforcement officers across this country, and we see a trend. The Fraternal Order Police has been keeping data of the amount of law enforcement officers that were shot in the line of duty. We've been keeping that data since around 2018. We do it through a federal grant through the Department of Justice. And, and since we started to collecting that data, we have never seen a more dangerous time than we are right now. You know, after last year, we, we had hoped – you know, COVID and all of the unrest that occurred during that time, we, we hoped that we'd reached a high mark. Uh, but uh, this in 2023, we hit records that were that, that far broke uh, anything that we did before. We're showing a much more dangerous time for law enforcement. And there are a lot of factors with it. There are 378 officers were shot in the line of duty last year alone. Uh, and it, 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 it's, it's kind of really really mind-boggling to consider if we had a any other class of employees in, in the United States that had anywhere as even close, even just a small handful of these numbers, we would probably be having congressional hearings and taking some action to recognize this as a trend attacking uh, workers in America, a certain class of workers in America. And yet we have, we have empirical data to show that uh, 378 officers were shot in the line of duty last year, and a very high percentage of that were ambush attack of law enforcement officers. The Protect and Serve Act would give law enforcement officers, or give the federal government an opportunity in certain circumstances to do federal charges uh, having to do with the attack of, uh, of law enforcement officers for, for simply because of the, the, the work that we do. Can you talk a little bit about in the Senate side, why, what, what are our hurdles? Why are we running into trouble passing something that seems to be such common sense that, that would have given so much more consideration to any other profession? Uh, you know, it, it's it's amazing to me that this isn't a bill that, uh, that we couldn't uh, pass through unanimous consent. Uh, and in fact, <clears throat> what I'm likely to do to prove the point is find out who is it that really is such a coward from the far left that they would be willing to come to the floor and oppose. You know, unanimous consent means I go down to the floor and I ask for a unanimous consent of the body to pass this bill. I want to see who's against it. And I think we're going to have to do that. Look, the Democrat, I don't, I don't want to be political. I think most people know that I try to reach compromise and I've got a bipartisan track record. But when you have Act Blue, which is the aggregator, we, the Republicans have a platform called Win Red. If you go to Act Blue today and you Google or if you go on Google or your favorite search engine and put in Act Blue, all cops are bastards. You're going to go to a website, which is the Democrats aggregation. This is how they get mass uh, contributions, uh, you know, small dollar contributions. There's a subpage there called All Cops Are Bastards promoting a 13.12-mile run because 1312 translates into ABAC, which translates into all cops are bastards. They're raising money, hundreds of thousands of dollars. The Democratic Party is condoning. I have said this multiple times in committees saying, guys, if you really believe this, can you at least go 
to your fundraising engine and tell them that this is not appropriate, and yet it's still there. It was there at least last week. Um, so that's that mentality, right? And, and, and so they're going to say, well, we can't do this because it looks like we're soft on law enforcement. My God, everybody has to know that the va- not all police officers are angels. You have some that, that are convicted of crimes, and rightly so, and have to answer to the justice system. The vast majority are. But when you say all, you mean all. And you've got an element of the liberal progressive movement that really their ultimate goal is to make this an unsafe job and to get people to ultimately not pursue their, their career. We have to call it for what it is. And that's why I think the Protect and Serve Act and things that are going to force these legislators to pick a side um, is very important. Yeah, you know, you know, Senator, we went through a, a period of time where there was a big movement to de, defund law enforcement, uh, but that has shifted. It, it went from defunding law enforcement to making it unattractive for law, enforce, law enforcement officers to step up and take this profession. This next wave of, of, of law enforcement officers that will help define uh, the future of law enforcement. You know, the very powers that we have as a law enforcement officer is directly related to that trust within the community. The problem is, is, that, uh, is, is that that trust has been eroded by a some who are really more interested in a problem than they are some any type of solution. We really want to be part of our communities. We are part of our communities. Uh, so that statement, as you're saying, there are some 800,000 men and women who suit up, show up every single day in communities across this country and make a profound difference in the lives of the people they serve. Well, I, I will tell you anecdotally, I found what back when defund the police was in vogue, I think what they found out is the vast majority of Americans didn't like that product. So they became more sophisticated and they're trying to find another way to attack them. But they still want the same end goal. Uh, and they, they really do want to uh, take a very, very important part of having a civil society out of the equation. Uh, we don't live in a society where everyone is angels. I mean, take, I just had a meeting yesterday with uh, retailers, this organized retail theft. There's, these, uh, I, I'm always uh, humored by these uh, news reports of mostly peaceful protest when you have burning buildings in the background. Um, we have to educate the American people on the importance, the vital importance of civil society is the foundation of that is law and order. Enforcement of law and order, ensuring law and order, is the primary goal of law enforcement. If we lose that, we lose America. I mean, we are a great nation because we are a nation of laws, and there are some people that want to erode that foundation. And when you kick a leg out of that table, it falls. And and law enforcement is the bedrock. Law and order is the bedrock of what made the United States the most exceptional nation on earth. Yes, yeah, Senator, if you look at cities across this country, uh, we went through a period of time where uh, in the name of uh, uh, police reform, uh, social injustice, we, 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 made, we enacted a lot of rules and a lot of policies and procedures that really were detrimental to, to uh, the quality of life within communities. Uh, you mentioned about the retail theft. What, what we've done in a lot of cities across this country is create uh, – financial deserts, food deserts uh, within major cities because the, the crime level has gotten so high, businesses are moving out of it. Really, the quality of life of these communities are a number of factors. Law enforcement is probably the bedrock of it. Uh, but when you look at all of these other you know, factors that are important to quality of community, it, 
uh, they're leaving. We're, we're not. We're not. We're not serving the, the, the people that uh, that that we're, we're elected and, and hired to, to do. We're creating some bigger problems, and I'm I'm very happy to say that it's obvious across this country we see cities reversing course. They recognize that some of these steps were a bridge too far, and recognizing that they had the adverse effect. Uh, some others are still struggling trying to to figure that out. And, uh, you know, I just said uh, the, the end result is, is we're seeing uh, in, in those places uh, a, a great disservice to the people that we serve, the quality. Oh, of you're seeing it. And uh, when I was in San Francisco, I went to uh, Diane Feinstein's uh, funeral. I was in San Francisco. I really get bored talking with dignitaries. So I stepped out of the green room and I, I ran into a, uh, uh, a sheriff's deputy and I uh, started talking with him and um uh, and uh, I said, man, uh, it looks like they've really cleaned the place up, uh, you know, for the for the funeral. They cleaned up downtown San Francisco. He said, it'll be back to normal in a couple of days. And we started talking about how uh, uh, San Francisco has not turned the corner. Uh, I mean, you, you have to step over. It, it's a very dangerous place to be. You have to step over homeless people. They're not they're not taking care of the community and they are in a serious state of decline. He was frustrated. He made it very clear to me. Uh, that after he um, after he retired and he was going to retire as soon as he was available, he was moving out of out of town. Uh, that that's what happens to cities who disrespect law enforcement and don't enforce the laws. Um, and and we're seeing it in some of the great cities. They're going to be in a decline until they get until they get this right. Um, and, you know, for, for North Carolina's part, we've actually gone to some of these cities far out west. I, I know of law enforcement agencies in North Carolina who have paid for billboards uh, on the West Coast, say, come to North Carolina. We respect law enforcement. Um, and so they're, 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 they're going to create a, a process that's going to take them a lot further down. I want to get back to that retail theft issue. There's the same people that think, well, you know, they're, they're you know, mostly peaceful th- thieves. They're actually organized by groups who are taking advantage of people with addiction, with other challenges, organizing these thefts, and then sending them into these stores. What's happening now is you're seeing unserved and underserved areas. I mean, they're targeting, they're, they're destroying the very communities that we're trying to lift up uh, because they're targeting uh, communities on the margins to begin with. So now you wait a year or two, and when you no longer have a a grocery store or a Walmart or a Target in a community that's unserved to begin with, just look in the mirror because that elected official who is allowing this kind of theft to run rampant is ultimately responsible for taking choices away from those communities that are at risk. You know, you know, Senator, you talk about people on a margin. I'm going to, I'm going to bring up a, a class of people or a group of people that, that are on a the margin. They're struggling every single day, single day, and that's those small mom and pop operations that are out there. The small stores, the small, you know, these small, uh, you know, partners within communities. How many? You know, they're already on a margin. They're already struggling trying to to make ends meet. How many of these so-called non-violent thefts? Can they sustain before they find themselves out of business? Who's speaking for them? What, where, where do their concerns fit into any of these, this equation? You're going to lose them. There was a news report in, uh, in Charlotte uh, about a month and a half ago. It was back in, <clears throat> I think, early December of this guy uh, who had gotten his life. He had been, I think he'd been in the uh, criminal justice system, got out, made an investment in a, t- uh, I'm sorry, a, a tennis shoe store, um, and uh, and uh, 
Charlotte uh, in an at-risk community. Um, and he was hiring the right sort of people, very positive, giving away free Nike tennis shoes for people who brought in a good report card. I mean, you're talking about just salt of the earth, giving back to a community, trying to do better. Um, it had been the target of three organized uh, uh, thefts like we're talking about. They had the people on video. These people even had the audacity to steal the presents from a box that he had for people giving donations to give gifts to at-risk families. I don't know how long he can last. Maybe because he got some visibility, some people will help him out. But these, these small businesses that are willing to go back and reinvent, many of them have roots in the community. They're trying to provide people with a path out. They're trying to give them an idea of what's beyond the, the circumstances that they were born into. But they're going to diminish. There, there's only so much sacrifice that these folks can make until they maybe have to go get a job or set up shop somewhere else where they think they can be safer. I mean, that, that, that is a real-life example that I saw in Charlotte, North Carolina, and it wasn't clear to me that he was going to make it uh, after, after this last theft. Yeah, and, he, and employers also have a responsibility for the safety of their own employees. That's uh, right. So, so get, and that's why we're seeing a lot of these retail places shut down as well. They, they no longer— And people are dying. I mean, yeah, if, if, no I, I met with uh, Home Depot recently. They've literally had senior citizens who've come in as well, uh, uh, greeters or whatever. People have died. I mean, this is a yeah. deadly trend that has to stop. As, no doubt, no doubt. And I, I thank you for your efforts on that. Yeah, Senator, you've also been a big supporter of the uh, Public Safety Officer Support Act. Can you talk a little bit about it and where we are in Congress? Yeah, I mean, we, we've got – I actually weighed into this when I was uh, Speaker of the House for, uh, uh, for firefighter pensions. I mean, we've just got to get – we've got to do the right thing. I, I think it is objectionable to think that we would ever discount or reduce the opportunity to provide law enforcement, first responders, firefighters uh, with a maximum pension benefit after they're done. Um, and I think we also, I mean, we have to look at both uh, state and uh, and local solutions to it to, I think, get it right. Um, so, you know, count me in for trying to figure out the federal fix to it. If you're in North Carolina, count me as an unpaid lobbyist to get North, the state of North Carolina to do the right thing or make it financially more attractive. If we don't, we're going we're gonna to see a serious decline in our pipeline going forward. Yeah. You know, Senator, you bring up a, a good point, and I appreciate, you, appreciate your work on, on pensions. Uh, but, but there's another, there's a, a definitely an inequity that exists, and it has existed for 40 years. It's something that fraternal order police rates is uh, our number one priority, something we're fighting. And finally, have gotten some uh, some movement uh, in the House. We finally got a hearing in the House, and that is the repeal of windfall elimination government pension offset. Uh, and yeah. the Senate, Senate companion to that is uh, Senate uh, 597, uh, something that we're hoping there are right now 50 co-sponsors uh, of that bill in the Senate. Uh, we know that we need to get a little bit more to get to closure to get it to a vote, but not in essence, I just, uh, you know, for anyone who's tuning in and, and questioning, you know, not, not really sure what Windfall Elimination Government Pension Offset is, basically it's a formula that was applied some 40 years ago. And, and I think at that time, since it really hadn't affected uh, those that were going to, to ultimately pay this price, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of ground, groundswell with it. Uh, but what it, what it basically does is says that if you receive a public pension, of which you paid into and you've earned, uh, and you also paid into your points for Social Security, and you earn that benefit as well because you're receiving these two sources of income. They will reduce it's by It's absolutely 60%. unfair. Well, I mean, we, it, we, it's yeah. it's got to be aligned with uh, with you know for for people who have a 
a, a defined, <clears throat> you know, you have a defined benefit programs. They're, they're less common now than defined contribution. But in the private sector, you would have that offset. It's not fair to have it for law enforcement. Uh, look, so, so look, I'm going to tell you, if you take the same scheme that's applied here, if you're in a private sector, none of this applies to you. You could, you can make right. as much money as you want. You could pay into investment funds and never, never have a problem with it. But because you're a public employee, because you chose to be a public servant, you're being affected by this, and it's simply right. not fair. If you take the same scheme and applied it to a money market uh, uh, manager or, 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 or a pension system, uh, Congress would refer to it, the Senate, the House would refer to it by any number of criminal statutes that they have enacted. They wouldn't call it a windfall elimination. They wouldn't call it an offset. They would call it by those criminal statutes. Yet for 40 years, public employees have taken it, taken it on a chin, and it, there's not a person in Washington will tell you that it's fair. But yeah. I don't know why we can't fix this, recognize it. Well, I, I think a part of when it ultimately gets – I think you have a lot of people that are sympathetic uh, – what you end up having to do is take a look at uh, how you pay for it. I think a part of the way then you pay for it is we have to look at the broader issue of uh, of what we need to do to make sure Social Security, in this case, is on sound footing. Uh, I, for one, think that uh, if, if we're really going to get serious about uh, avoiding what I think is going to be a – a fiscal calamity over the next 10 years, we got to get our debt under control. Um, and one of the ways we get debt under control is taking a look at Social Security, doing the right thing, not breaking promises, but making it solvent 75 years out. When you do that, you're going to look, you made me think about it, like uh, when you have somebody that's enormously successful, I don't have any problem. Uh, I, I've, been, I've been blessed to come out of a trailer park to a point to where uh, before I got into the Senate, uh, uh, a reasonable level of uh, financial independence. I have no problem with saying that there are certain people that have achieved such a level that maybe you're not going to get the same. You're going to have a cap on your Social Security benefit as long as you have access to a, uh, to wealth that, that's going to make you live well. By doing that, uh, police officers are never going to fit into that category because they never made enough money to actually fit that, that threshold test. But through that savings alone, you would have more than enough to pay for the offset. I know that's very geeky, very businesslike, but at the end of the day, the reason we haven't gotten it done to this point is people need to come up with a strategy for a pay for, and I think that's one of them. Well, I, and I appreciate that. I'll just, uh, I'll, I'll end it by just pointing out the fact that it is, it's theft. Uh, to expect public employees to offset and somehow balance the Social Security system, as no other class of employees are asked to do this other than public employees. And uh, it's just not fair. I can tell you where the money comes from. It came out of the paychecks of public employees across this country, police, fire, teachers, uh, any, any municipal employees across this country that were exempt from Social Security and then found themselves paid into it at some point. They paid I into agree. the system like every other American and should get the same benefit as every other American. Not looking for any handouts. We're not looking for anything other than fairness. Same thing for every other American. That's a, uh, I appreciate and, and it. I think, yeah, yeah. And I think, it, you know, it's also, look, it's a part of recruiting. If you take a look, uh, look moving forward, this is a part of something that may get people to make that sacrifice but not make it a fiscal sacrifice on the back end of their career. 
Well, you, you know, you mentioned, and there's a lot of uh, a lot of activity you've done in, in the Senate to to recognize the, the recruiting and retention problems. We're in an existential crisis in, in law enforcement. That next wave of law enforcement is just simply not stepping up at the numbers that we need in order to be able to sustain uh, our profession. Uh, but but it is a hindrance. You know, windfall elimination government pension is an offset because basically it's telling those uh, those work you know workforce out there that have already paid into the Social Security system that if you come over to certain agencies in this country the mostly state and in uh, in local jurisdictions you're giving you're basically in essence giving away a portion of your social security benefit it's something that needs right. to be fixed appreciate your work with it and uh, hard work you've done senator i also want to recognize uh, something that you were a part of and and thank you for it and that is you know law enforcement officers are are exposed to a lot of uh, invisible trauma just by simply the nature of our work uh, that most people you know, when they have, you know, experienced trauma, it can change them both physically and mentally. Well, law enforcement officers have so many more exposure uh, episodes of this trauma than an average person. And it takes its toll on law enforcement officers. And, 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 and I'm, I'm very happy to say that we finally have reached a point now where we can talk about these issues, recognizing that we're damaging, uh, you know, law enforcement, public safety employees uh, to, to an extent that uh, in many cases we lose more, you know, it, it's not a, it's not, you know, it's a, that, that fact that we don't like talking about because it's uncomfortable. But we lose more law enforcement officers at the hands, at their own hands than we do by any felonious action just because of the damage that's being done because of the repetitive exposure to, to this trauma. And I want to thank you for, uh, for helping uh, Congress recognize that the PSOB benefits under certain circumstances for, for our law enforcement officers. Uh, uh, you know, we have a moral and a fiduciary responsibility, responsibility to recognize uh, the damage that's being done in the service of others, and I want to I want to thank you for for your 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 help with that as well, now, Senator. If you if you could, is there any other things in the Senate that uh, that law enforcement related that could be helpful for us that we uh, that you would like to share with uh, with our viewers and listeners? Well, I I just want uh, any anybody listening to this uh, to know that the vast majority of the members of the Senate admire and revere you. There's a handful who may now, they've kind of gone underground, but they would like to undermine what you're doing. But you should know that that the the U.S. Congress um, has your back and that we need to continue to call people out who are under trying to undermine the confidence of the American people. The vast majority of the American people are behind you. They they respect what you do. Uh, and, and, and on the last point on mental health, guys, you know, uh, having a, a trauma is not something you choose to do. It's something that you have to learn to manage. Um, and admitting, I, I think it takes courage and strength to admit that you have a challenge. Um, and I would encourage anyone that's experiencing any, any challenges that are a result of your job or even your, your home life, uh, know that uh, getting help, you're setting an example. You're, 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 you're getting more people to get help. It, it not only benefits other people in the profession, it benefits people in the community. If we're honest with ourselves, a lot of crime, a lot of the things that police officers have to deal with are rooted in behavioral health. Let's, let's start recognizing this is an illness no different than cancer. You have a challenge, you need to fix it. So we're not only in a position to... to 
to reduce suicides from people who have witnessed these challenges, but maybe we reduce crime by, by normalizing the concept that sometimes the brain needs help and it's not a weakness, it's not something to be embarrassed about, it's no different than fixing a bad knee. Well, Senator, I, I appreciate your, your, your comments, and I will tell you that uh, not only does, does Congress uh, support law enforcement overwhelmingly, the American public does. And poll after poll after poll shows that. 100%. Unfortunately, it's a, a small segment that, uh, that tend to uh, demonize law enforcement, and, and, and that demonization uh, has, has taken its toll on law enforcement. I, you know, I'll I leave you with one little anecdote. On January the 6th, I was the last uh, member of the Senate out of the chamber. One thing I witnessed when we were about to exit, some of the people who had been sympathetic to the defund the police movement were the first ones to wrap their arms around a Capitol police officer and to get out of that chamber. So at the end of the day, even those who are trying to play political games and say defund the police, they know that police protect and serve. You know, Senator, if you look at the quality of life in any community, there are a number of factors. And every one of those factors is just as important as the other. Public safety probably plays a larger role in that as well. But uh, uh, I think the reality is, is you take away any, any one spoke on that wheel, and it is not going to spin correctly. And so, you know, when it comes That's to exactly finding right. solutions to problems, I am confident that there's not a single thing that we can't fix if we can come together with the common goal of the end result. Unfortunately, there are some that would that, that, that would rather and, and you know, benefit from uh, from not finding a solution to this, and that's that's unfortunate, and it's costing people their lives. It's easy to talk about numbers, uh, talk about crime, and talking about the number of homicides we see in, in major cities across this country. Now you talk about numbers all you want, because numbers are impersonal. But every one of those numbers, every one of those victims of those those you know supposedly nonviolent crimes. Uh, those retail thefts and all, every single one of those is a person, somebody affected by it. Uh, and that's, that's the thing we lose. So, so Senator, thank you for, for taking some time. I know that you're extremely busy. I appreciate you spending some time to, to talk about these issues that are important to us. And uh, I want to thank you for all that you do in Congress and uh, I mean, in, in the Senate for, uh, for fighting for, for America's law enforcement officers. Well, thank you. And uh, thanks for being a part of the Finance Committee hearing. You got it. Thank you. And to our, to our, our viewers and listeners, thank you for tuning in to the Blue View Podcast, where we, we talk about the issues that are so vitally important to the men and women who suit up and show up every single day in communities across this country and make a difference in your lives. Thank you. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. To get the latest from the National FOP, make sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook at GLFOP and on Instagram at FOP National. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.